Some things are predictable. Hey, uh, I don't know about you, but I've got young kids, and there are certain movies that you watch with young kids because you want to raise them up, right? And one of those movies is Finding Nemo. Anyone? Anyone? Now, there's a, a character on there, and uh, her name is Dory. And Dory has this phrase, and you may have heard it before, but it's just keep swimming. That's right. So Dory says, just keep swimming. And I feel like this is the theme of 2020. Just keep swimming. Keep your head down. Just keep swimming. We're all going to get through this thing. And when something else comes, just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Um, have you ever had one of those days where you're tired of swimming? You ever had one of those years where you're tired of swimming? So let me back up. Uh, about two weeks ago, uh, my wife and I just had one of those days. It was a perfect storm. Nothing major happened, which, you know, thank you, Jesus. It, um, it was a lot of small things. That, you know, they just add up after a while and they become a big thing. So, uh, case in point, I woke up at 5 o'clock this, uh, not this morning, but two weeks ago. Um, my youngest, Nixon, had wet his diaper and through, basically, it could not hold the sheer force of my son. And so his PJs are soaking wet. His bed is soaking wet. So, okay, here we go. 5 a.m. Wasn't planning on this, but... Okay, so you get up there, right? You change them all up. You, you swap out the sheets. You do all that fun stuff. And you're like, okay, it's breakfast time because Nolan got up as well and it's, it's time to go. So I walk into the kitchen. I'm about to cook some breakfast. Realize we didn't run the dishwasher last night. I'm doing dishes that morning and trying to get breakfast going all at the same time. My wife works very early in the morning. She starts at seven o'clock. So she's up and it's like, good morning world. And boom, she starts working. So I'm in the kitchen. I'm holding down the fort, making everything happen. But I'm a little tired. And you ever get a little grumpy when you're tired? Just a little bit. That was me. I got a little grumpy with my kids. I love them to death, but I got a little grumpy. And uh, we're, we're trying to get everything together. And uh, Nolan keeps forgetting his mask as he goes off to school. So we're paused. We're trying to figure out where that thing is. We got to go find it. It's buried in his room for some reason. That's not where he keep it, but that's where it is. So we finally get everything together and we're late, which makes me a little bit more grumpy. We get in the car. I drive Nixon and drop him off. And every time you drop him off, if you got a young kid, you know, maybe you experienced it this morning when you dropped him off um, over there. But when you hand them off, they cry. And Nixon's big for his age. He's in the 99th percentile. He doesn't cry. He screams at the top of his lungs and the building shakes. And so on Sunday mornings, if you're curious uh, what child is losing their mind next door, it's mine. It's, that's my son. But th- it's unnerving, right? So I'm late at the drop-off there, and I feel bad because I know that I'm late there, that Nolan's going to be late for his school. So I get there, and it's like, hi, I'm the dad that can't you know, get my act together. And so now my son is late for school. And so they're late for the, the daycare. They're late for school, which means I'm late for work. So I get to work, and I don't know if you know this or not, but my boss, whew, hard man to work for, he's on vacation, so I can, I can say that. Unless he's watching, then we're going to have more meetings. Um, but we go to work, and you ever have a meeting that then rolls over into another meeting? That was that day, and, and so I had meetings upon meetings, which means I couldn't get my work done. So fast forward, we're driving home, and there's traffic, and I'm late, and Darcy had a big day at work too, so she's like, are you just, can you just come home? The kids are going nuts. Like, let's just make this thing happen. Stuck in traffic, finally get home. Are you with me? A lot of small things that just add up, and it gets big, right? Dinner is a nightmare because uh, Nixon woke up at 5. That's not when he's supposed to wake up. So they didn't really eat anything, and we try to put them down, and they don't really go down. They don't sleep very well because, well, they're hungry because they didn't eat anything. And it's just this cycle that keeps going and going and going and going. And so finally, the dust has settled. We got them down, and Darcy looks at me and says, I think we're done swimming. I have one last thing to do. I started a load of laundry and I need to just throw it in the dryer and then we're good to go. It's like, yes, thank you, Jesus. 
throws it in the dryer. The dryer goes off, it's done. And she opens up the door and we realize that Nolan had stuffed about five crayons in his pocket. That's my beautiful wife. So we spent the next hour Googling how to remove crayons from clothing in the inside of your dryer. Apparently WD-40 sort of works. But then you have to get the WD-40 off so it doesn't mess up your clothes that you put. Are you with me? It was the day that, like, it just kept, there's one thing after another, after another, after another. It was relentless. So the inside of our dryer has a nice pink tone. It's really, it's, it's quite beautiful. And it doesn't squeak because the WD-40. So those are the, the bright side. But I feel like for a lot of us, that has kind of been this year. And we're just, just keep swimming, keep your head down. There's all these small things. There's some big things, no doubt. But there's a lot of small things day after day after day that just kind of chip away at you. And the prevailing logic of the day is this. If I just keep my head down, I mind my own business, and I grind, and I push, and I power through this thing, we're going to make it. And for a lot of us, when all this rolled around in March, we thought, man, we just got to get to the holidays, right? There's going to be some cheer. We're going to be good. I just... We got to get to Thanksgiving or, or at least Christmas, right? We can do this. 2021, baby, we just got to make it. And we're so close and we're swimming and we're swimming and we're tired. And I'm just wondering if you're like me and you've been swimming over and over and over again, is, is there another option? Is there a better option? Because I'm convinced of this. I, I don't know that we were built to swim that long. It's tiring. Now, California, we go swimming in the beach all the time, year-round, because you can do that. I don't know what it's like here in Washington, but um, it's freezing cold. But uh, have you ever been out in the water, and I mean swimming or treading water for 20 minutes? It's exhausting. And I feel like we as a society, we have been treading water for almost a year now, and uh, we're, we're coming up on it, and it's tiring. And so I, I just wonder, is there, is there a better way? And we're going to look at a passage this morning written by King David, and, and he's going to propose something. He's going to say, you know what, there, before you start swimming, there's something else that you have to do. And it's going to help you keep swimming. And so if you're joining us for the first time, welcome. We're in a series called Still Waters, and uh, you kind of joined us at like the very end of the movie. We've got this verse, and next week is our last verse. So I want to encourage you to go online. You can check out the rest of the series and get caught up. But uh, for those of us that are here, you're tuning in online, you've been with us week after week, you kind of know what's going on. So open up your Bible to the book of Psalm, and we'll go Psalm 23, and we're going to pick it up in verse 5. And this is part two of Kurt's sermon last week. He did a wonderful job of setting this up. And if you remember the previous verse, verse 4 says, uh, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Do you remember that? <laughs> we got some trouble. If you don't remember, last week, that's what verse 4 said. So uh, what I'm here to say is 2020 is your valley. And, and we're walking through that, baby. And we don't need to fear evil. He did a beautiful job of explaining this. He said, he said you don't need to fear evil because God is with you. But you will experience trouble. And I think that's what you and I, that's what we're experiencing as we walk through our valley. We're experiencing trouble. And again, prevailing logic says you just push forward, just grind your way through the valley, and you emerge on the other side victoriously. And we're going to read here in a minute that no, you have to do something else first. So here we go. Verse 5. 
This is David writing. He says this. After you go through the valley, right? We're walking through the valley with God. He says this. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Some of you, you've memorized this in a different translation. Maybe that last line for you, it brings up the memory of my cup overflows with blessings. That's how I remembered it in the NLT uh, when I memorized this as a, as a young kid. So we got to unpack this verse. The first thing you have to realize as we're doing this thing is as you go through the valley, God is preparing a table for you, which doesn't make any sense because you're going through the valley. Your enemies are attacking you. And God says, here's the table. That's not what I want. I want my enemies to go bye-bye. I want them gone. And God says, no, no, here's a table. And again, your enemies, they don't have to be these big things. They can be the very, very small things in your life that just relentlessly chip away at you to where you lose it. But it might not be a day, it might not be a week or a month, but over time, maybe throughout this year, something or someone has just kept chipping away, chip, 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 chipping away, and you're running out of energy, you're running out of um, polite manners, you're more short with people, more direct, more to the point, maybe bold. Your enemies, they just chip away. This could be a coworker. It could be a relative. This could be uh, things that are happening in our government, in our society right now. And it's just little things. As you're driving down the road, you hear a commercial and it reminds you of that enemy. It reminds you of that thing that just slowly, methodically, relentlessly is chipping away at you. And you're losing it. And David says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of those things. So look how this plays out. You're, you're walking through your valley. It's already hard. You're going through your go through and you got all these things around you just screaming and yelling at you, waving signs. They're trying to get at you. They're trying to undo you. And you start walking and God goes, here's a table. And you go, God, I don't want the table. I need to get through the valley at full speed ahead, man. Let's go. And he says, no, 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 have a seat. You go, no, 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 no. I, now's not a time to sit. Are you seeing what's happening around me? Literally all hell is breaking loose around me and you want me to sit. And God goes, yeah, I, I set a table. It'd be weird not to. You, you don't stand around. The, you, you sit at the table. Notice that God doesn't do away with the enemies. He doesn't lead you around the valley or I don't know, catapult you over the valley. Like he doesn't do any of that stuff. He says, as you go through the valley, here's the table. <laughs> I don't want to sit at the table. It's, it's this idea that um, God wants to be with us or he wants us to focus on being with him instead of doing things for him. It's, see, God, these, these are some of the enemies, and um, I can get that righteous anger. I can be offended and upset about the things that, God, those things, they offend and they upset you. I, I need to go do something about it, because if I do something about it, it's going to help me speed through the valley, and it's going to conquer the, at least this one enemy. I can take care of that. So, God, I got stuff to do. I, I need to post something on Facebook. I, I got enemies I have to vanquish in your name. And God goes, no, 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 have a seat. I've prepared a table. Yeah, but God, there's all... I know, in the presence of your enemies. It's, it's right there. Now, Thanksgiving's coming up, and um, I, I remember growing up, my extended family's very close. 
And this will be the first Thanksgiving um, that I'm not with them, which is interesting. Uh, and I can remember as far back, just a little, little boy, um, we would always, the cousin's table was always outside. Mom and dad, the grown-up table, that was always inside. So the cousins would go outside. It's California. It's, it's warm. It's like 74 degrees during Thanksgiving. It gets real cold at Christmas. It's like 72. It's terrible. But we would always go outside. And I remember as young boys, just the, the conversation that would happen there, we would talk about jokes and riddles, and we would just laugh. And we always had those Hawaiian rolls, and they were so good. And we, we would end up, every Thanksgiving, we would end up just playing dodgeball with them at the table. And it was so much fun. And that was our conversation. And as we got older, the conversation shifted a little bit. It, it then became advice on friends. How do we navigate some of those things? It was TV shows that we were all watching, things we enjoyed, some of the movies that were coming out that we wanted to see. And then we got a little bit older and we started talking about girlfriends and boyfriends and and trying to get advice and navigating through all that. And then we got older and it became about marriage and, and how do we navigate marriage and the difficulties and the joys and everything in between that comes with that. Then we started having kids. By the way, we're all outside still, even as full grown adults. We're still still outside. Grandma and grandpa knew something that we didn't, so they, we were always outside. But we started having kids, and then it became parenting advice. And, and what's interesting about that is um, our realities, the issues we were having with girlfriends or things going on in our marriage or you know, issues at work or how to raise our kids, uh, none of that changed at the table. You know what I mean? Like we still had all those issues that were still going on. They were going on all around us. And when Thanksgiving ended the next morning, like we, those issues were, were still there. But we're sitting at the table and we feel more equipped. We have some wisdom and we have a little bit of a battle plan of how we're going to navigate through these things. Nothing changed. Our situation didn't change, but our perspective changed. We changed. And I I think this is what God is getting at here. He's like, look, all this stuff, it's going to be here when you're done with the meal anyways. Sit down at the table. We need to change you a little bit. There's a little bit of a perspective that you're missing. There's there's some advice. There's some wisdom that you're missing. And you need that. And the only way you're going to get that is when you're sitting at the table with God Almighty. Not when you're running around trying to vanquish your enemies. As I go through the valley, God has prepared a table before me. In the presence of my enemies. And then he says this. He says, you anoint my head with oil. Which is kind of weird, but remember, um, David, he's king of Israel, but he didn't start out that way. He was the youngest in his family. He was the runt of the litter, if you will. He was a shepherd. A dirty, filthy, nasty job. He becomes anointed as king. They use oil, right? And they pour it over him. And it's a sign of royalty, of his anointing, of his being uh, being chosen to become king of Israel. This is a status i'm going to lift you up out of your lowly position and bring you into royalty oil is also used for healing and when you think like you know i anoint your head with oil i don't want you to think like there's a little oil thing and we go boop and we just like touch you on the forehead i want you to think of um do you remember the ice bucket challenge i want you to think ice bucket challenge and anointing of oil it's it's this idea that you just dump this thing and the the healing properties of the oil it just 
covers you completely. The idea that you are taken from your lowly beat up position because we all got some scars as we're going through the valley. We all have some wounds that are fresh, that are open. And God is saying, I am relentlessly pursuing you and healing you and lifting you up to the God-given position that you were designed to be in. It's, it's not a little... There, you got anointed with oil. No, 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 no. It is, it, it's out of the abundance and the generosity of God that this is taking place. What's the next part? And he says, my cup overflows. It, it's not a, a one-time event. It is a continual healing. It's a continual renewing. Continually lifting us up when we fall in that valley and bringing us to the rightful position. That you and I stand in as we walk with God. Signifying to all the enemies. You can say whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. But you will not destroy this person. They're mine. I am the good shepherd. This is my sheep. You can hurt them and I will heal them. And we can do this over and over and over and over. But you will not destroy them. This is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And the problem is. A lot of us, we want to sidestep the valley altogether. And God says, no, no, no. It's good that you go through the valley. You, you have to be healed. I have to lead you through this thing. We have to go through this. And a lot of us, our prayers are, God, take it away. <laughs> Jesus, come back now. <laughs> and he's going, no. There's some work that has to be done. We have to go through here. And remember, my cup overflows with blessing. If you memorize it that way, the blessing is not that you sidestep the valley and the troubles and the enemies. The blessing is that you walk through those things with Jesus. That's the blessing. He's renewing you. He's lifting you up. He's healing you as we go through this valley. But again, we want to pray and say, hey, let's, let's just sidestep that. I lost some of you. Some of you are like, I, I don't care. I don't want to go through the valley. <laughs> Let me, let's jump over to another passage. Maybe this will kind of help paint a, a, a brighter picture. So the book of James chapter 1, and, and we'll pick it up in verse 2. You don't have to flip there, but you can if you want. It says this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. What? Pure joy. That's crazy. You ever see those people? You're like, oh, my car won't start and my house burned down and, you know, like my dog died. But like, yeah, so excited. Praise the Lord. You're like, whew. He says, it doesn't say be joyful. It says consider it pure joy. If all those things happen to you, um, you should be distraught a little bit. That's, that's really sad. That's difficult. But he says, consider it pure joy. Why? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Just keep swimming. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Did you catch it? Friends, you and I, we're lacking something. We're not mature and complete. We're immature and incomplete. We're lacking something in our lives. We're lacking something in our relationship in Jesus. And the only way we figure this out is through the trial. It's through the valley. We have to go through that thing. So when we emerge on the other side, as we've walked with Jesus, we're a little bit more mature. We're a little bit more complete. And the problem is we get to the valley. We're halfway there. And we go, I don't know what to do. You ever been confused? Anyone just out of curiosity? I got one dude in the back, my man, you and me. I see that hand. So if you get confused, what should you do? Verse four, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault 
and it'll be given to you. Do you understand the process? You can consider 2020 a joy because of the refining of your character, the transformation of your soul that God is going to do. It's the work that he's going to do in your lives. We will be better because of this, but we must sit at the table. The prayer is, God, get me away from the table. Get me away from the valley. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And God's saying, no, no, no. The work happens at the table. You got to go through the table because you're immature and you're incomplete. But we're going to fix that at the table. God, I don't know what to do. Ask for wisdom. Where's that conversation take place? At the table. Do you see how this works out? There's a healing process that happens at the table. There's a lifting up of your status at the table. There's the wisdom, the battle plan. All of this happens at the table. And my prayers, I don't want to assume for anybody else, but my prayers have been, God, help me to sidestep the whole thing. And God goes, I I can't do that. Because Steve, you're immature and you're incomplete. You're lacking something. And I'm going to use this valley to have a conversation with you at the table. Now, here's, here's what we do. And I've hinted at this. But we, whatever it is you're going through, we go through our go-through, right? We have our thing. So we're walking through the valley, right? I'm going through the valley. It's 2020. It's, it's COVID. It's quarantine. It's, uh, it's finances. It's the family business that has been around for generations. But maybe this generation, I, I don't know. I don't know. The economy, it, it's done. Right? You have all these things. Pick, pick your valley and pick whatever your enemies are. Maybe it's your, your family saying you should do this and it's your church saying you should do that. And then you have the political people saying do this and you've got the blogs and everything else you read that says do that. And everything seems so confusing, so contradictory. And you're like, I don't know what to do. So you start walking through the valley and God goes, have a seat. And you go, no, I got to do something. Don't you see our society is falling apart? And God goes, have a seat. No, God, I read this article online. I I need to post something about it. I need to stand up for truth, for your truth. They need to know that they're wrong in their thinking. Their approach is lunacy. They need to know. And I'll do it on Facebook because everyone knows that's the clearest form of communication. (laughs) They need to know how righteous my anger is. Society is going this way, the opposite of how you designed everyone to go. Steve, have a seat. Okay. I don't know how your relationship with God is, but here's a window into mine. It's, it's a lot like that. I have a seat. And God goes, how's your day? And I go, it's really frustrating. I have all these things going on. I got these enemies and what? And he goes, Steve, sit down, man. But God, you gave me a lot of energy and you don't understand. And he goes, Steve's just, Ah. Do you see what the government said? I got to go address this. And they go, no, 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 no. Sit down. So I'm sitting. And God goes, how's your day? (laughs) Uh, Well, I'm I'm in a valley. Been swimming for what feels like a year. Um, I have all these enemies around. And clearly you see them. And... If I could be honest with you, God, I've been praying a long time that you would do something about it, and you haven't. Uh, 
no disrespect, but if you're all-powerful, all-knowing, if you're good, if you're loving, I don't understand why you won't do the things that I think you should do. And God kind of leans in and goes, that's the point. Steve, you're not all-powerful. You're not all-knowing. You have a very strong opinion, and I love that about you. I created that in you. But Steve, do you, do you think you might be wrong on a couple things? Do you, do you think you might be teachable in a couple areas? And then I, I take a drink. Because that's me stalling and trying to figure out what in the world do you say back to God when he just nailed you with something. I go, God, I, we have all these enemies and society. It, it's looking this way. And they're looking at the church and, and Christians and we're supposed to lead boldly and, and there's something beautiful about humbleness as well. And so how, how do those two things meet? I, I want to stand up for what's right, for what is good. I want to stand up for for your truth, but it seems like everything over here is just, it's, it's the opposite of the... And, I don't know what to do. And then God says, have you asked for wisdom? And I say, I got to be honest. Um, I don't want wisdom. I want my opinion. Because I think my opinion is right. And this is just a, a window in, in, into me. And may, maybe, maybe you can identify in the room, uh, hopefully online. Um, as I sit at the table, I'm reminded of a passage. It's... So when Jesus is talking to his disciples and, and he says, um, they will know, meaning people, humanity, Rome, the first century and beyond, they're going to know you're my disciples by the way you love one another. Not, not what political party you're a part of. Not what truth you stand up for. Not for your opinions on how you think the world should live. Not on the things you post online, the things you like, the articles that you share. But Steve, the, the world is going to know you're my disciple by the way that you love people. And I, I just, I got to be honest, this week I spent a lot of time in prayer. You have to do that as you're preaching this specific message at the table. And it's an uncomfortable place, but it's a beautiful place. And God sort of, not sort of, he did. He revealed to me and he says, Steve, you're, you're not... You're not loving. Be, because the way that you talk about certain people, um, political figures, and you have your opinion, and you go, Steve, have you, you ever sat in any seat, any political seat? No. Do you have any experience in politics? No. Then... Why are you communicating with friends and family and acquaintances as if you have this whole thing dialed out? You know exactly what should be done. And I sat here at the table and I just, I repented. Because in this area, I was wrong. And at the table, you get great clarity. You get great wisdom. And what I felt like God was telling me is he was saying, Steve, if, if you're going to, if you're going to open up the Bible, if you're going to preach, you need to do so in a way that everyone feels welcome. 
regardless of what side of the aisle they are politically, how they view society, how they view COVID and the responses to this, how they view Christians and Muslims and how people view anything. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. You need to preach in such a way where everybody can experience the love because they will know that you're a disciple of mine by the way you love them, not the way that you eloquently speak truth or how you stand up or how you make a big fuss. God says he's sitting there and he's saying, I see the enemies. I, I, I see him. I know. Why do you keep inviting the enemies to the at the table it's set for two it's me and you don't don't keep inviting this person or that thing over there it's just i'm, I'm not worried about those right now this is this is you and i we're having a conversation I, i'm curious about you and how you're doing and i'm convinced that the only way for us for our church for our community for the world at large to go through this valley is to have a seat at the table and so I, I want to give you three. I want to give you three points because it's it's not church if we don't have a couple fill in the blanks, you know. Uh, the first one is this: um, number one, park yourself at the table. You're going through a valley. You've got some enemies around you. I don't know what they are. I've named uh, some of the big ones. I think they're in the world, but some of you, it, it could be a spouse, it could be siblings, it could be your kids, it could be your parents. I, I I don't know, but we have a tendency to do things for God. Or to be busy being busy. And God is saying, no, no, no. In, in all the craziness, I prepared a table for you. Park yourself at the table. Number two, stay seated until the meal is done. You ever go to God and you give him his list and you're like, all right, you got it? Good. And you get up and you walk away. Don't do it. That's not a conversation. That's a, that's a monologue. You just dumped everything on God and God, you didn't give him a chance to respond. He just said, ah, you're gone. I got to march through this valley. I got to vanquish those enemies. No, 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 no. Have a seat at the table. Stay there until you're done. And then number three, just to make sure, number three, ask to be excused before you get up. Ask to be excused. God is, at least in my experience, God is fairly slow in the communication process. There's something profound that happens in the waiting. And he might not give me the answer I'm looking for right away. I want to close with what I think is a familiar passage to a lot of us. It's Matthew 8. We'll pick it up in verse 23. This is Jesus. Then he got into a boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. There's a storm. Jesus, where are you? What are you doing? And he he replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and he rebuked the wind and the waves and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. When the storms were raging, the wind was blowing and the waves, man, they were huge. They were going over the boat. What were the disciples doing? They were worrying. They were afraid. They were running around trying to stabilize the boat. What was Jesus doing? Sleeping. He wasn't concerned. He knew there was wind. He knew there were waves. He knew he was on a boat. In the middle of all the water. He knew. 
And I just wonder if you, if me, if we might take note of that. And in the midst of 2020 and all chaos going on, if we would curl up next to Jesus and just rest. Instead of worrying, instead of running around, instead of trying to fix everything and vanquish our enemies, what if we just sat next to Jesus and we rested? And in his timing, he will wake up and he will calm the storm. Friends, this was a challenging week for me. It was incredibly, incredibly challenging. Um, Not because the passage is, is complicated, but because the passage is convicting for me. And so I, I want to encourage you to do what I did this week. We're busy. We have a lot to do. I want to encourage us to slow down and spend some time at the table before we go on and do anything else with our lives. God knows what's on your list. He knows the struggles you're going through. He knows the valley you're walking through. He knows the specifics of what the enemies are trying to do to you. He knows. And yet in the middle of all that chaos, he's prepared a table for you. He wants to heal you. He wants to anoint you. And then from there, we can get up and we can walk through the valley with him. That's the challenge this week. As we head into Thanksgiving, don't just set a table for Thanksgiving. Make sure that you, in fact, sit down at the table with God. So, Father, that's our hope. That's our prayer that we would be people that Lord, we're quick to listen, we're slow to speak, and we're slow to become angry. And regardless of what is happening in the world around us, that we would be quick to join you at the table. Lord, we're going to give you our lists and our worries and our fears and and, and all of that, and you know, and you know. But Lord, my prayer is that this place, that this church... We would be known for the way we love one another. And Father, we get that perspective and we get that conviction and we're reminded of that when we sit at the table. So this week, Father, as your people, as we stop, as we pray, as we spend time with you, as we open up the scriptures and we ask for wisdom, God, we're preparing our hearts. We want to hear from you. So, Father, would you speak to us the things that we need to know? Would that make all the difference in the world? And finally, Father, one last thing. I pray, Lord, that the community of Linden and beyond, Whatcom County and maybe even beyond, Lord, however you want to use this place, although people may disagree with our beliefs, but would they be so infatuated with the way that we love one another, especially those that are different than us? And would that lead countless lives to putting their faith in your son, Jesus? We pray all these things in his name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Lee, let's stand up. Let's worship God with one more song.